Hello, everybody. Thanks for being with us today on our show, The Watchman, every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today on our Oasis of Truth as we're sitting here with Annette Baker, our environmental science expert, homeschool teacher. Welcome back to the show, Annette. Thank you for having me back for another day. Well, it's great. I want to talk. About, I want to talk a little bit about the green Cretan and the world of the world of green dystopia that's over there in California. They haven't built a dam, I guess, and uh, uh, they haven't built any kind of a dam at all. I think in uh, years, have they? Have they built? I mean, they have all these problems going on over there, and uh, they haven't. They're really not doing a very good job of uh, helping with the with the uh, rainwater. I mean, legislators wrote a strongly worded letter to the state federal officer, officials demanding to know why almost all the rainwater fell on California was allowed to wash into the ocean. 32 trillion gallons of water, uh, instead of going to the state's agriculture and industrial and residential needs, okay, that would have served the needs for 10 years, okay, uh, you know, had it been stored in reservoirs, but the state hasn't seen a major reservoir built in 40 years, despite billions billions water bonds okay uh, it's amazing most of the water was lost to the ocean so this is what's going on right now in california and Annette, are they trying to solve for the for their own woes or are they just fine watching the water roll off into the ocean really what's going on over there well again you know california sets the stage to be one of the most highly regulated uh states in the in the united states um they actually allow for some uh, rainwater collection. Some states actually, believe it or not, uh, either uh, closely regulate or completely, um, in some cases, will say, no, you know, you cannot create a cistern or any kind of way to accumulate um, rainwater and and then use it for your own purposes. And California actually allows uh, people to collect rainwater, but they do have some restrictions and limitations and and you're right what, what they did basically um because they haven't managed things very well uh in, in california when it comes to preparing for the future um and making sure that they have water as a resource um the water just went right back into the ocean and you know there's a hydrologic cycle which people know you know water in on the earth evaporates becomes clouds it rains the cycle continues, and and that's um, something that that uh, you know we all we see it, we experience it. Um, California has been absolutely deluged with rain. Um, they're in like a I, I forget what it's called. It's a the atmospheric river. That's what it's called. Um, and basically, what that means is that the water just keeps dumping and dumping and dumping in California. And in one of the articles that I was reading, it said that the the amount of water that flowed back out into the ocean um, would have met the needs in California f for 10 years had it been stored in a reservoir. Well, there's no question about it. And I think what's really it's crazy, what's really compelling on this is these are the same people that outlawed gas cars in 10 years. <laughs> these are the right. same people that, that now allow you to uh, compost your loved one when they die. I mean, what, what does a green utopia look like? Or I should say a green dystopia. What does it look like? It looks like this. It looks like, you know, you don't have forestry. You don't have conservation, real conservation issues, or I should say policies being put in. You don't have a real program for conserving the forests. 
they allow for the undergrowth to die and have all this dead brush down there so that the fires take off. They allow this to happen. They don't have forestry going on in California. They don't have any of this. Okay, they certainly, you know, they're, they're not building dams in the in the state, so the rainwater runs out to the state. They, they got water shortages all the time because they're not trying to conserve water. Is it because they're trying to keep the state looking like it is so they can blame green, you know, so they can so that, so they can blame the uh, the global warming. I mean, is a warmer planet even a bad thing? I I don't think people are convinced of that, Matt. I mean, you think people are convinced of that? Oh no, I don't think so at all. I think that um, you know a lot of folks now are saying, you know what, uh, a milder winter is not a bad thing, especially when you have electricity prices here in Pennsylvania almost doubling or tripling for some people. Um, they probably are thankful that they don't have to have their electric on and and running as much as they normally would when the temperatures are much lower um you know obviously you know there's got to be some balance and stewardship and we've talked about that before but you know unfortunately what we're seeing i think in california again is what the environmentalists uh that worship nature gaia as their god they're willing to sacrifice human beings um to preserve the planet you know, it's like reduce the population, reduce the um, the impact of humans on the planet uh, to save the planet from human beings. And obviously, you know, coming from a biblical perspective, we know that Earth was created for mankind by God uh, for us to use, not to abuse and, and do whatever we want, but we're supposed to be good stewards. But at the same time, God put us here to use the planet in a way that... Um, will allow us to do the things that he called us to do. Well, there's there's no there's no question. I think, you know, what we're seeing a lot of times, and, and, and I think with the reprobate minds in, in California right now, I mean, you're seeing a state that's going off the deep end. This is, what's going on in California is what they want in Pennsylvania, what they want all across this country in that. And it's a struggling economy that depends on everybody else for imports, imports because they're like the... Uh, you know they're like the they're like the, the the woman that's crying on the bread line that she has nothing to eat and she's carrying a ham under her arm. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know what what's interesting is you you've got this California is is decrying all this pr- problem right now with with all this, this they got all these issues with money and they're trying to raise taxes on the working people in California because they don't want to develop their state's resources. I mean, here they got a Virginia hand on their arm complaining they're hungry. You know, so. <laughs> This is kind of like where I'm looking at it with California. I, 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 this is what they want. I mean, they want a country that has all these resources at their fingertips, but wants to depend on everybody else to, to provide for them. What is wrong with this? Why, why is that the way it is? I mean, they, they don't think that, you know, foss, fossil fuels being produced over there in Russia is going to kill the planet. I mean, are they really buying into their, you know, into their religion and their profits of their religion? What are they doing? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, you know, that's that's the one thing that has never uh, really helped me um, can be convinced about climate change uh, or, or, you know, the idea of the, the climate um, being under assault by mankind and, you know, how we as, a, as a, in the United States has to, we have to do everything in order to, to fix the planet. And yet you look at India, you look at China, you look at other emerging nations and i would submit that china is not an emerging nation anymore it's it's a fast on its way to becoming a, a superpower 
uh, if not, they, you know, if they haven't actually reached that already, just in, in pure political strength at this point. But they they pump pollutants into the air and they're not sacrificing their economy to stop it. We're the ones in the United States. We're being asked to make the concessions. And the interesting part is, you know, they're talking about the idea of rep basically reparations, um, the idea of carbon taxes, that the United States is going to pay money to other countries as a penalty for all of the carbon uh, that we pump into the atmosphere. And I want to know when China has to start paying for their uh, coal plants. Yes, folks, I said coal because they are cranking out coal-fired power plants um, roughly about one, I think it was one every three months in, in certain areas of China. And they're predicting that by 20, I think it was 2045, uh, I was looking at a website that you can actually look at the scale, the number of plants that they were bringing online. And they are going to completely surpass uh, the, the output that we have in the United States in just, I think it was by 20, 2030 or 2035, um, it's gonna eclipse everything that we're doing in this country because we're actually moving away from coal. Um, that's one of the things that the, the um, uh, Biden administration has said, you know, we wanna, we wanna get rid of coal, diminish it. They wanna get rid of the gas stoves because they're saying it puts too much carbon dioxide into homes. And it causes all you know all kinds of respiratory problems and things like that. So they're looking at all of these different things, and yet you've got countries around the world that are pumping out all of the the this carbon into the atmosphere that they say is going to kill us and is the worst greenhouse gas, which is not true. The greenhouse gas that most affects the temperature on the Earth is actually water vapor. Um, that's a whole other discussion, but. Uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that we're we're dealing with and i don't know how they can be convinced that around the united states there's this great big invisible wall that prevents everything that they do from coming into our country and ruining our our climate because it's all it we're one big planet it's not like they have everything sectioned off and i just i don't understand you know i, I guess I, i'm too critical that way I tend to look at things a little differently. I tend to ask a lot of questions about stuff like that. And if it doesn't make sense to me logically, I have a hard time buying into it. And I think that's why I've never really bought into the whole idea that, you know, we're killing the planet as a species. Um, yes, the planet is warming. We have gone through warming cycles in our history. It's in, if you look at um, the glaciers, there's, there's evidence that we found that has been found in, in glacial uh, records, you know, deep core ice ice cores that have been taken. The same thing with with um, core analysis from trees. You can see that there's been warm and cool periods that have happened. So you know the the thought that yeah we do have some impact, but not nearly what they're talking about. And and the fact that you know there's lots of trees lots of plants plants love co2 they give off more oxygen um, a greener planet means more food that can be harvested for people um, and in california with the drought you know i i still to me it's it's just i i cannot understand why i mean i guess from a perspective of saying you know good policy is is put in place to help people and to protect the environment at, at the same time. You can do both. 
Um, but when you're sacrificing human beings, you know, on the altar of, of environmentalism, that's when it has to stop. That's when we have to step back and say, okay, we've gone too far, you know, over the line um, because a human life, in my opinion, is still more valuable. And in God's eyes, I believe it is too. Um, human beings are far more valuable than the created. Oh, I, I think you're right. I, I think there's a lot. But I think people in general are just suffering from, well, they did the group think. I think this group think is what's ruining this country. They don't mind. They don't understand that the oceans produce. Why don't you tell our listeners how, how we get CO2 on it? How we get CO2? Yeah. Where does CO2 come from? The oceans, right? Well, CO2 actually, it can be absorbed in the ocean, but it can come from a lot of different sources. Volcanic eruptions, believe it or not, um, are actually a major uh, contributing factor to CO2 in the atmosphere. But don't the just, oceans produce? Well, don't the oceans produce CO two? Um, you know, I don't know about that. That's I thought that the oceans were a CO two, what they call a CO two sink. Basically, they absorb CO two and convert it into plant food, a la seaweed. Um, and uh, no, that from what I understand, the CO two is produced by the oceans, and and it feeds the plants. The oceans produce the CO two. Now, I'm not saying we don't get it from other places, so, but I think you're right. I mean. Whatever the case is, CO2 is... Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, a, there is a cycle. You know, there is a there is a carbon cycle, and that's where you're right. You know, there there is some that's emitted, and, you know, it's fascinating when you look at um, volcanic eruption and how that affects the global climate. There, there are places that have had um, unseasonably cold weather after a volcanic eruption, and part of that's because of the ash and, and stuff that's in the air, it actually creates a cloud cover so the sun can't get through to warm the earth. Um, but the ocean, you know, is a, is a great um, uh, sink for, for the carbon because it, it and like you said, it, it converts it into to plant food uh, and the fish eat the food and then we eat the fish. Right. Which is, which is a good thing for, you know, well, if you like fish. <laughs> right. But I mean, like you said, I think the a greener planet's a healthier planet. I just think that as a as a rule, we know that um, you know. I mean, I'm not convinced that a warming planet's a bad thing. I think that I know the polar caps aren't melting. I know the ocean levels aren't rising. So what's what's the harm of having winters like November, like having a January where the average temperature is 40 degrees? And what's the harm on? Well, I mean, <laughs> for for most folks. Um... You know, they're, they're, like I said, you know, thankful that they're not spending a ton of money on electric or, or heat. Um, I mean, I like the fact I'm not burning through pellets as fast as we normally do. Um, you know, it, it, it can at times, it can disrupt, um, you know, plants and things like that, but they generally, uh, pretty recover pretty quickly. Um, like they'll, they'll go back into dormancy later. Um, and, and it, I know in Vermont, uh, my cousin actually had had uh, posted a couple um, posts on Facebook. He he harvests uh, sap and makes maple syrup, and was saying that they had a rare uh, January run of sap because of the warmer temperatures. And he said that could be a good thing, um, depending on how the syrup tastes. You get a, you know a special treat in the middle of winter, um, but it could potentially uh, harm um harvest in the spring if we don't have another cool down 
and then a warm up again when they need it in order to really get the sap to flow in the spring. So it can it can sometimes be a detriment, but um, honestly, with with it being warmer, um, like I said, for for a lot of folks that are struggling, I, I know people personally that are sitting in in houses that are you know 55 degrees, 60 degrees because they can't afford to heat their entire house uh, because it's so expensive right now and they have electric heat. So well, but I think what's, it's, what's it's important, what, what I think what's, what's important though, is we understand that, you know, the, 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 the fear that they're trying to instill in people, okay, promulgate in their fake stories is that we're ruining the planet, ecosystems are dying. That's not true. And as you stated, I mean, a 40 degree temperature is not exactly gonna break temperature. It's not gonna break plants out of dormancy, okay? Now, when the temperatures start breaking 50 consistently, that's what happens. That's 40 degrees. So what's going to likely happen is that these, you know, I mean, we, we usually have, look, we're, we're probably going to have some snow. I can't imagine we don't have any, but I think what's really compelling on all of this is that we're coming out of January with the average January temperature being 40. That's going to be the warmest January. Well, we've had the three of the last four years of warm temperatures in January. So January's have been very moderate months for us. And the summer was not very hot. The summer, I mean, we could count on maybe two hands how many days were over 90 degrees from, you know, from June 1st through October 1st, you know. And, I mean, literally in 130 days or 40 days in that period of time, we might have had 10 times the temperature broke 90. The temperature was in the 80s all summer. I mean, that's healthy, you know. And I, I just think that we need to realize that a, a greening planet is not a, such a bad thing. I think warmer climates and, look, you're getting greenery in the deserts. You're actually getting growth in the deserts that you never got before because there's more rain coming into these areas california right we just talked about it you know california is getting rainwater that they, if they had built the dams and that they should have been doing naturally living in a conservation state of type type thing they'd have had enough water for the next 10 years from what just came in think about that right you know and so this is where i'm at on all this i i just think that these people aren't sincere in their argument they're trying to promote the industry than they are the welfare of the country. They're not trying to save the planet. They're trying to promote an industry for, for to help promote their with through you know through their through their crony capitalism the increases of of their own stock portfolio. Anyway, I I, I just see it that way. In that, I mean, electric cars are, are they really the solution to the future? In that, well, who knows what what we may develop. I mean, if they can get the nuclear fusion. Um, experiments to work better uh i mean they got it to work the first time out in california who knows what kind of of energy sources we could be looking at in five or ten years i think with you know obviously we talked about before the uh environmental damage that comes from creating the batteries that go into electric cars we talked about the dangers of you know for medical personnel or, or fire personnel who have to deal with um, these these cars that have these batteries in them that that could potentially um, well it has they have caused caused fires and things like that so I think there's you know a lot of different things that need to be addressed and and I don't know if the idea of having all electric cars or all electric trucks um, if that's going to be the panacea that we that everybody wants it to be um, is it stuff that we you know if it makes sense. Yeah, that's the one thing that we've talked about before is, you know, when it makes sense, then it makes sense to do it. But when you have to force people, and this is part of the problem that I think, you know, you and I both have talked about, the idea of forcing people to switch to electric cars, 
Um, I, I was listening to, to someone on the radio the other day talking about how um, there were a number of people that were talking about a comedy, like in, in Detroit, looking at producing cars that were not just uh, electric cars because they said, you know what, it makes sense to have a hybrid car, a car that can run on electric in like short distance driving um, or to have a combustion engine that could do two things, uh, provide long distance um, uh, driving and, and extend the range of, of an electric car, but then also provide a way to charge the battery without having to plug it in or and using uh, like a flywheel idea to, to charge batteries. And the people that they were talking to were the all electric or pro electric people. And they said, no, we can't do hybrids. And they said, what do you mean? Why can't we? And they said, because we want to get away from all fossil fuels and that's a fossil fuel car. We're not going to allow you to do that. Now, to me, it makes sense to have a hybrid. If you can do it safely, makes sense. You know, it's not harming the environment. Let's do it because it's you know it's a it's an all and it's whatever works that makes sense. We should do it. But when you tell people, no, we're going to force you to go to a hybrid or to a an all electric car by twenty what is it in California twenty twenty five something like that. They're talking two or three years away. They're not talking long term. Maybe it's a little bit longer than that, but. Regardless, I mean, they're talking about putting an artificial requirement in, knowing that the technology is not there, knowing that the technology needs to improve before we can meet those deadlines. So what's going to happen in the meantime? Again, this is coming back to, let's talk about smart meters. What do smart meters do? Smart meters monitor how much energy you use. And if you use too much, they can flip a switch. They can control how much energy you're using. Oh, how about social credits? China uses social credits to determine access to certain things. What happens if they decide that they're gonna use social credits to determine how much electricity you have, whether or not you get enough to charge your vehicle? Oh, we're only gonna let you have a certain amount so you can go only so far. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, the control aspect of things is, is pretty, um, intense when you think about it with the idea of they're rolling out digital currency. I had heard, I read in an article that they're talking about, I think it's five cities that are going to start using digital currency backed by the federal government with the idea that I believe it's by 2025, they're planning to transition payments into digital currency. So meaning if you get like social security, um, any kind of financial assistance, paychecks, whatever it might be, they're talking about transitioning from regular currency that you can get to everything electronic. So you'll have a card, maybe your, you know, your, your devices, your phone, a watch, computer, everything will be digital. There will be no more coin. There'll be no more uh, paper money. It'll all be digital. And that's, that's actually happening right now. I know someone who's an economist um, for the federal government, and they said they have seen the, the memos saying, yep, we're moving in that direction, and it needs to be implemented. So it's coming into very interesting times with all of this because, you know, again, it's going to tie back to, you know, control of, of all of those different resources, and energy is going to be a big one.
Well, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Thanks for being with us today on this beautiful Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio 11 EWFYL for our distinct discussion. Thanks for being with us. See you next week on The Watchmen, folks. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.